Welcome to our last podcast of 2009 and what a show we've lined up for you. This is LJ and you're listening to Careers Talk. In this show, we're going to have a look back at some of the fantastic Q&As we've had over the past couple of months and we're also going to pick out some of our most memorable moments we've had with our studio guests. And speaking of guests, we've got two amazing people joining us shortly to mark the end of the year. They are Amanda Boyle and Miranda Bowen, both directors of the brilliant Channel 4 satirical drama Cast Offs. We'll be chatting about the programme and about their careers as directors. So you literally turn up on your first day, all the crew know each other, you're the sort of outsider who's meant to be respected ringleader and you've got a kind of gaggle of cast and crew who you have no real relationship with and you just have to you have to sink your teeth in and just get on with it just the job this week is actually not a job it's a professional development course and catriona long from guardian jobs will be along later to tell us more but first kerry what have you picked out as your best bits from 2009 well the q a's have been great for me i've been working quite a lot on them the first one that it all really started taking off was the working for a charity which was in july And we had a great panel, so we had Oxfam working for a charity which sort of promote careers in the sector, the Variety Club, Charities Advisory Trust, and I I think I kind of had an inkling that it would be popular because it's something that we get asked about a lot on the forum. Panellists were talking to each other about their own volunteering experiences and how that led into further work for them, and also recommending schemes that other people can get involved in. And we started off with how many kinds of average posts did we get when we first started? Well, as an example, surviving redundancy that we did with our employment law expert, Philip Lando, in January got 19 posts. Right. Yeah. So, so low. But I can we were quite excited about. <laughs> at the time, it was really exciting. The same later on in January when Escape Studios joined us to talk about Oh, that was a really good to, one, though, wasn't it? I remember, I remember that. the actual excitement. I was like, look at how many questions yeah, we've got. Yeah. And how many did we get in total? 23 posts <laughs> in total. So it was about six questions. Yeah. And so now, what, what, what are we expecting now in terms of um, numbers? Well, I think we're averaging out at about 80, between wow. sort of 70 yeah. and 80. Maybe. Times have changed. So which ones have been really, really busy, apart from the charity one? I think uh, the teaching one, you're going to talk about oh that one? Oh, yeah, the um, teaching the English Tefl. abroad was really, really popular. That was 167 That posts. was our record posting, That was the record, it? and that's quite a departure from 19 posts yeah. in January, isn't yeah. it? And have you seen a change in the way people are using the forums? I think so. I mean, we're definitely getting more people coming in and sharing advice off their own back on their own sectors and people coming back all the time and not just to ask questions about their own career as, say, giving experience from the industry that they're career changing out of, for example. There's a couple of people I've noticed that are doing that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Have you got any ideas about what you might be looking to do in the new year, Um, (laughs) next couple of months? Anything exciting? I think think? I'm going to look at schemes a lot more to explore those and give people a chance to talk to the people who are organising grad schemes or competitions and that sort of stuff and focusing in more on specific roles I think too. Any in particular that you've thought of or not? Project management. Right. People keep coming to me saying have you thought about doing this and Mm. I've got a few sort of good contacts that might be worth following up. I think maybe like something journalism related as well but maybe like music or film journalism and get people that are quite you know well known in that field to talk about it I think that would be quite a draw as well. We also started using Twitter as well didn't we? Yeah Twitter's been really important with the Q&A's like not only for just letting the people know that we're running them but in terms of finding people to take part you know I found lots of people just does anybody know somebody who's career changed into journalism being an example 
and people would like retweet me back and what and happened on yes. the online journalism Q and A? Then Twitter was quite important for that, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, a lot of the people that I approached to get involved in that had quite a big presence on Twitter or were well known throughout social media. So there was a lot of discussion on Twitter about it. People were discussing it, what's going on in the discussion, promoting it. And I remember there was a real buzz around that chat because we were talking about online journalism, and there it was, sort of yeah, happening on, online. Mm. Yeah, being talked about. I got that kind exciting. of buzz as well from the because one of my highlights from the forums is the one that we ran on the beat blogging posts with Sarah Hartley I thought that was fantastic using the forums as a way of sort of pre-application process being able to talk about the posts that were online journalists that was really exciting and and then to know that actually the people that were in that discussion with Sarah made it through to the shortlist and that in fact everyone that she shortlisted took part in the pre-application discussion so it was a really useful tool for both Sarah in terms of selection and also for the applicants in knowing what's put down for the questions that she'd asked. I think that goes to show how important it is to sort of touch base with somebody definitely, before you reply because that's come up as a theme quite yeah. a lot in lots of our discussions yeah. you know make yourself known. Yeah even before you apply call or you know make some contact. Yeah just asking questions about the role for a bit more clarification not only are you getting more info but your name's going to stand out. Isn't yeah it? yeah no it's good advice. So what about the brilliant guests we've had then? <laughs> oh I've loved our guests. I've what really stands out there, and I, know, I think you might agree, but when Julian came in, it yeah. was just <laughs> so fun. And Julian Lindley of Bauer, his <laughs> the stories he had from his career history just really made me laugh, especially it being a sector that I'm quite interested in, you know, sort of popular publishing. And Yeah, he talked about his time at Heat, didn't he? Yeah. And also he spoke about his first job at Sugar. Well, it was Sugar, wasn't it? Yeah, his interview And Sugar. it was with Joe... Joe Elvin, who's now with, with Glamour. And uh, he told the story about when she came in and fell through the chairs and showed her knickers. Yeah, she came in like sort of really authoritative, slammed her stuff down, like this is going to be a hard, serious interview. Yeah. And the chair just fell She fell between, between the two chairs, didn't she? So really funny. Um, who else has uh, stood out for you? I also really liked when... Um, Joe Heppenstall came in and talked about environmental careers. Yeah, he was good. And the reason I liked it is because he actually cleared up quite a lot of myths about the industry. Like I, th- I think I thought it was a lot more booming and bigger than right than what it is. Right. Like I think it's painted to be a yeah, bit more yeah. sort of growing. Yeah, there's more or jobs. more numbers. He, he was saying. He was saying he? it's actually quite smaller, quite niche. Yeah, because yeah. wasn't he saying that the num- the figures were, were you know they're bandied about that there's a million, a million and a half people or positions okay. around that number Definitely. but actually the realistic figure was more like 200,000 or something he said yep. wasn't it yep. yeah so yeah that was quite interesting I really liked um well I like them all obviously yeah, that's saying. <laughs> but I really like uh, Rob Reiner you know oh, the, yeah. the uh, professor of uh, organizational psychology yeah, that we had yeah. in. I thought his his talk was really uh, interesting and I could have spent some more time talking to him about the relationships that you have at work and the, the contract that you yeah. enter into with the employer yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. The psychological contract, right. yeah, I found that really interesting too. So I think we should get him back, actually, and um, have a chat about that in the new year, maybe. Yeah, and also, I can't believe you didn't mention Sarah Borman. I know, I was just thinking about her because I found her really fascinating, especially... Her story was really good. Yeah, another one with the initiative where she was working in music... PR and she went into TV but had an idea to work with the medium of TV to get her back into music where she devised like a cartoon music video for the Sugar Babes with one of the animators at Turner she was working with 
I think it was the Powerpuff Girls, and they're like a cartoon, and she took that idea and would put the sugar babes in the place of those characters for their music video so it's animated music video and she pitched it to island records and they were really impressed so Um, i think uh, it's like the stepping stones isn't it just using your initiative and not not following the same path as everybody else and other jobs can inform something you're doing in the future so yeah so it's onwards and upwards isn't it for 2010 i can't believe we're saying 2010 already i think 2010 is going to be a great year it is it sounds (laughs) like it's got potential well that's great kerry thanks for that roundup and i can't wait really for the beginning of next year because i'm i know we're going to have some amazing guests lined up to come in and also some really lively discussions in the forums and actually if anyone's listening out there and they have any idea about q a's that they want us to run or guests that they want to hear let us know on the forums and we'll invite them in and uh, we'll arrange it for you Joining me now in the studio are Amanda Boyle and Miranda Bowen, both directors on the provocative Channel 4 drama Cast Offs. Amanda and Miranda have both been picked as TV talent to watch. Amanda has been named as one of the UK's most exciting new directors and Miranda is one of the stars of Tomorrow, according to Screen International. Welcome both of you. (laughs) Very grand welcome. Uh, thanks very much for coming in. Thank really appreciate it. Exciting to talk to you. So uh, I'm going to ask a question each first before we start maybe talking about cast-offs. And uh, I know, Miranda, if we ask you first, uh, I'd like to ask you about your background because I know you grew up in a number of different countries. Yeah, that's right. I spent a large proportion of time in Zambia and Sierra Leone and Namibia, as well as Vienna and Germany. So wow. quite a disparate bringing how was that was that because of your parents my father worked for the diplomatic service at the time so wow that we moved around a lot yeah and so you moved back to the uk i say moved back did you grow up in the uk Uh, sporadically in between postings we'd come back so it wasn't as though i came to the uk aged 18 feeling like a complete alien I, i had actually had some experience of living here and how have you found it, or how did you find it when you decided to settle here? Was it well? In fact, I got sent to boarding school aged thirteen. Okay. Um, my father had been posted to Namibia, and uh, it was just after um, independence, and there weren't very many schools there that would have allowed me to then join the British system or European system for higher education or for university. So I was sent back to the homeland for boarding school. And um, and that was quite a strange experience. Yeah, I bet. From having come from an international school, very sort of liberal international school in Vienna, to then being put into a a, a school that um, that that had very different values and a very different outlook than the one that I'd been used to. And I had a very strong Austrian accent at the time as well. So I got called the German behind my back. <laughs> Quite an isolating experience if you'd moved and your parents were still, your family network was still in yeah, Austria. I mean, I think both my sister and I were used to it by that point, that used to the idea of, of just picking of up and moving yeah. and, and settling wherever we were put down, really. Both of us had always really loved, you know, Blyton as kids oh, as well. Me too. So <laughs> the minute the, my parents sort of suggested we were going to be going Midnight to boarding school, that was like the best <laughs> news in the world. Yeah. And then, of the course, the reality of it is something very, very different. Yeah. I suppose I'd like to talk to you a little bit about how that might have affected the work that you're doing at the moment. But before we talk about that, mm. I'd like to bring Amanda in. 
so Amanda, you sent me some profile details as well, but I didn't really get a good strong feeling about your background and where you came from. And well, my mother's from Wolverhampton and my um, father's from Blackburn. But we lived abroad a bit when I was younger. We lived in Italy, but um, very unexciting kind of upbringing compared to Miranda's. But uh, I suppose I'd always been interested in drama from an early age, so I'd always been kind of doing sort of plays and things. So at school you were acting, were you? Yeah, or did a bit you of acting. You know, backstage stuff? Or yeah, well, and I started directing when I was quite young, actually. I um, Tell us about that. I do remember doing a show when I was about 12, which is very like the show in, I don't know if you've seen the film Rushmore, where he tries to do Apocalypse Now with kind of um, <laughs> small, <laughs> small sort of helicopters and things. I think it was equally ambitious. It must have been terrible. And it involved lots of kids singing um, Money Makes the World Go Around or something. But it, from an early age I was doing kind of... Uh, if somewhat suspect, kind of um, big production numbers. So both of you, I mean, both didn't come from sort of media, film backgrounds. No. So talk me through how you both sort of weaved your way into directing. I think I, like Amanda, put on the odd school play to yeah, varying degrees of success, stroke, uh, failure. <laughs> Uh, but there's a lot of enthusiasm, and I think that's probably what counted at the time. And then I decided that I wanted to, well, I didn't decide. I felt actually quite pressured to go and do an academic degree and went off to Bristol University and did modern languages there for a bit. You harbour these dreams, but you feel like you're not really allowed to pursue them because they're too arty and they're not going to get you, they're not going to allow you to make a living or whatever it might be. And then after the first year, I thought, oh, well, you might as well do it now. And it's not going to wait around for you. You might as well just get on with what it is that you really want to do. So I applied to, to Chelsea and managed to get one of the last places on the foundation course there. And I think I hadn't yet made that sort of transition in my head, the relationship between, say, art, fine art and painting and film. And I think that's what my years at art school were about, were about that transition it took four years still yeah <laughs> it's not a long but time no you no, know in the, in the scheme no. of things and in fact st martin's which is where i subsequently went on to from chelsea was a broad fine art degree and so i eventually made it into the film department for my final year and made well you couldn't make anything but experimental films because it was generally sort of the idea of narrative was spat on there right you, you didn't do narrative <laughs> filmmaking we don't do that here yeah <laughs> but uh, the technology was such at the time that it, you know the work would have been experimental regardless of whether the intention for it to be experimental was there yeah. or not it <laughs> generally bolexes that went backwards and projectors that sort of missed out every other frame or yeah. so, so um, and then you said that that was your plan anyway Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You put you subtitles that in, in check yeah. when you're away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Amanda, tell us about you getting into uh, directing. How, how did that come about? Or well, me getting into film well, first? Well, I suppose um, I went from school to university, kind of um, did philosophy at university and just did loads of theatre there. And that was a really exciting time. Really experimental stuff and some comedy stuff. And then towards the end of my university course, I just got into film. I saw... I think there were three films I saw, a kind of Terry Gilliam film, Brazil. I saw Brilliant. a Peter Greenaway film, The um, I think actually this is a bit later, but it was The Pillar Book. And then also Danny Boyle had just done Shallow Grave. So right. And I went to a series of lectures where all three filmmakers talked. And yeah, I just started to become interested and had no idea what to do next. So I uh, started writing lots of letters and um, I sort of got a job working on kind of very small food show, actually, a kind of TV food show. What's a runner? As a runner, exactly. And then also wrote to the Royal College of Art and started running on their shorts as well. And there was a moment where I thought about going to film school, but 
right after university, my dad died suddenly, and I thought, actually, no, I've got to get, get a job. With yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just sort of then was working in the industry and and knew that I didn't want to stay in television. I wanted to move across to film. Wasn't quite sure, and it kind of it was sort of pre-internet, which that makes that sound very old. <laughs> but um, but so it was it was all very cliquey, and I wasn't quite sure how to do it. But I remember I tore out. Um, page from Empire magazine which had like the 20 top people in the film industry and then I just started writing to them kind of um, relentlessly to a point where I, I remember a couple of them actually stop, asked me to stop writing Did they, <laughs> they didn't politely. have a job yeah, yeah. exactly uh, and then after but a couple a, of them you wore them down I do. wore them down and finally they gave me a they job said, give her a job yeah please go away um, so yeah and and started again as, as an assistant really I was making sort of short films at the weekend and, and sort of... But so you both, you know, talk about the fact that you started really in films, but w- we're here to talk about something that was on TV. So uh, have you have you moved from film to TV or no. TV to film, or how does it work? <laughs> um, <laughs> Good question. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we, we both really came from a short film background, and certainly this was... W- I'd made a kind of half an hour drama for Channel 4 as part of their coming up scheme, which um, Miranda did as well. What's that? Explain what that is. That is every year. I, I can't remember how many filmmakers they take, but they five or six, five or six it? filmmakers, and they kind of pair you up with new writers, and so you you kind of make a half an hour piece together. For people that are listening that might want to get onto that kind of thing, uh, is it something that you get onto having had a sort of portfolio of work to demonstrate, or is it something that you can apply to if you've got ideas? Yeah, m- most people have either come from short films or have got some experience in theatre and, and sort of are starting to make a kind of name for themselves. I think that's sort of how it works. Yeah. And so, Miranda, you don't sound like it was a great experience for you, or was it It was great terrifying. Okay. It was absolutely terrifying. I mean, I, I'd made short films, I made quite a few short films by that point, and I'd just done Cinema Extreme the previous year, which um, it was a walk in the park what by comparison. That? What is that? Cinema Extreme is uh, prob- probably, I'm not sure if it's still running, but it was certainly the most generous funding you could get for short film making and it was they took on five four or five directors each year and generally it's writer directors so you had to have written your own script and it, it was quite competitive because they give you fifty thousand pounds which is wow. in these days almost yeah. unheard of for yeah. a short film that had been a fantastic experience and that that's film four and the film council funded and then so channel four runs coming up and coming up is a sort of TV parallel to Cinema Extreme, I think. And so I think I had slightly naive expectations. And you're literally thrown in the deep end. You've got four days to prep your project, four days four to days. shoot it, four days to, to edit it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Four it's days? Half, half, yeah. And these are half, half hour films. Hour. Yeah. Uh, so you literally turn up on your first day. All the crew know each other. You're the sort of outsider who's meant to be respected ringleader and you've got a kind of gaggle of cast and crew who you have no real relationship with and you just have to you have to sink your teeth in and just get on with it I just thought it was it was the most horrific experience I'd ever been through but looking back on it 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 was difficult but it was a definitely you realize that's just how it is and you just have to get on with it knuckle down and get on with it because schedules haven't got any easier no funding certainly hasn't got any easier in fact in hindsight it was probably a very good very educational experience well you it it definitely showed you whether you like it or you don't like it and Mm. if you don't like it don't do it 
Yeah, well, I didn't like it, but, but I am you doing, are doing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I've so liked it a lot that. more subsequently. <laughs> <laughs> and Amanda, did you have the same experience or was it better for you? I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was absolutely kind of just terrifying uh, working at that speed because I think with short films, you're normally in charge of your own schedule. But obviously, that's determined by how much money you can raise, but you can do it your own way. And um, it's just quicker, basically, the amount you have to shoot per day. Even on cast offs, we were working on a very, um, shooting a very tight budget and a very tight schedule. Um, well, let's talk about cast offs then. So, you know, how did it come about and how did you both get involved? And, you know, explain a bit about that. Basically, I, I knew one of the writers, Jack Thorne, and had wanted to work with him for ages. And I, Judy, who was the executive producer on, on the Coming Up scheme, she also was the executive producer on, on this program. So there were various ways that I came to it. But, um, but I just I went in for a meeting with the producer and I'd read one sort of taster script and I just loved the script and I, I really liked the producer kind of in the meeting. I just thought he was kind of very energetic and was really open to um, my ideas. And then I think what's unusual is the fact that even though there were taster s- scripts, we actually cast before there were final scripts. Yeah, so I we that. so we were um, involved in kind of who these characters might be in the show and kind of we were involved in sort of formulating what the rules of the show would be as well it was very quick wasn't it this whole yeah, process it was an incredibly quick turnaround I, th- I, mean, I mean it's very unusual that Channel 4 actually commission without having a script so from beginning to end I think the whole turnaround was about 10 months wow and that's starting with no scripts at all starting with a piece of paper that had an outline of an idea so which meant that Amanda and I had a much bigger role than I guess directors normally have in TV I, in the sense that yeah we were we were involved with the casting instantly and f- to be able to cast we had to have a very good grasp and understanding of what the series was going to be and I don't think any of us really did at the beginning it, it evolved in a very organic way as we found the actors as we found our cast so the scripts there you changed found the story. Yeah. yeah absolutely because um, it was definitely about finding these six actors who could work together who we did a couple of workshop days where we kind of were putting different combinations together we met loads of brilliant actors that we didn't work with but it really was about finding these people the who group yeah exactly subjected them to some awful improvisation oh. games Did you? <laughs> like <Yes>. what <laughs> oh, well in fact they were really good in that they blasted a lot of preconceptions about disability out of the water and because i mean i haven't had that much exposure to to disability and I think it was a big eye-opener and remember in one of those first sessions we had Tim Gebbles who we eventually cast as as Tom in cast-offs who's blind and um, we did a an exercise whereby we blindfolded everyone other than Tim obviously (laughs) and they had to sort of run around or walk around the room and find someone else and describe that person to everyone else I guess it was trying to equalize senses or trying to make people understand one another's disabilities in some way and when it came to Tim to describe the other person he he balked at the idea of actually laying his hands on someone's face and said this is a fallacy that's been invented by a Lionel Richie video that yeah. blind people actually <laughs> like to touch other people's faces to know what they look like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was just that was just one thing. You realise that he, he sort of says how he spends a lot of his life having to recross roads that some benevolent passerby has actually like ma- made him... Over. Yeah. It was very important to us to try and glean absolutely authentic understanding of the experience of the, of the varying disabilities. You know, disabilities very often kind of clumped into one big 
kind of idea, mm. but each dis- disability obviously has a very, very different uh, impact on that person's life. It's yeah. they, they have nothing in common really at all. No, and the whole sort of definition of what disability is is quite part and parcel of that whole show, isn't it? Absolutely. It's sort of exploration of what, what is class as disability. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... I guess the show is less interested in the notion of what rather than this is ha- this is a, a real insight into how trying to blast a- apart the kind of preconceptions that are commonly held about disability, whether it be blindness or deafness or living with cherubism or being thalidomide affected. It's just trying to give an insight into into the reality of that, but without dwelling on it, with you know actually trying to more than anything else emphasize that first and foremost people are people whatever impairments or disabilities they might have it's very much secondary to their to their existence and i think that's important to say that kind of when we came onto the project it was there was always a reality show element to it but kind of as we got involved in the sort of the workshop process it became a character piece so really each episode is about a character and these characters are are likable and flawed and 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 I think certainly that's what really fascinated me the fact that you know like any great drama these are very grey characters well know. in fact you know having I mean I've watched I haven't watched them all I've watched two yeah. which I thought they're fantastic and actually as you watch the episodes the disability is less and less obvious and what you're interested in is the character and they're such flawed characters <laughs> aren't they they are and um but but really likable and Very kind likeable. of um yeah and I- interesting the, the episodes about april and um april is played by um victoria wright who has um cherubism uh, which is um a form of i'm still probably getting this wrong but a form of fibrous growth in her face and um and yeah the, the episode doesn't mention that at all that's what I kind of was really interested in. The characters. Just the characters, and yeah. And stories. So can you explain to us, people that don't know what you do, <laughs> actually what you do on set? What, take us through a sort of day, you know, in terms of like the task, give us a flavour of actually what you have to do as a director. Well, a director's really in charge of kind of everything in front of the camera, kind of the choice of the actors and the way it looks. And obviously that's in charge but in collaboration with a team of people. And I think the way both of us work is kind of, um, it's very fluid, that kind of relationship with these people. I think some wise person at one point, somewhere along the line, said about directing that 90% of it's choosing the people you work with. And I think there's actually a lot of truth in that, in that your choices of who you collaborate with are, you choose people who you can communicate well with and who you have absolute faith and trust in will deliver what it is that you have in in mind um we were really lucky with our crew yeah george Steele deserves a huge mention because he was our our um dp who uh was unrelenting in his in his um ambition and generosity and fortitude and (laughs) he's a sort of he's a bear of a man and we had such a, a kind of a ridiculous schedule at, at times. For instance, in the last episode, um, I shot uh, 13 pages of script in one day. So you normally do about eight, maybe, or sometimes on a film you do like five. So it's, we were kind of 
you know, yeah, and obviously the, the, f- the fear of that is that will be reflected in the quality of performance and the way it looks. And George just, he's really fascinated in f- performance and he's, he's got this kind of strength to get through that kind of schedule. But he's also kind of just very poetical in the way that he composes shots. So, But likewise, he was dragging generators into muddy fields at three in the morning so because on. we couldn't afford security. <laughs> but I suppose with regards to the question of kind of ha- how we do our job, I suppose yeah. before kind of filming, we talked a lot with George and with, with Richard, our production designer, about the look of it. And this is obviously, there's an element that it's a reality show. So we knew we were going to shoot it, lots of it handheld. And also we, we were going to have uh, cameras on tripods or look, looking like they were on tripods um, to give that feel. But we also wanted it to, to be very cinematic. So, so we were very careful about the choice of lenses and we were very careful about the color palette. We saw a film Gamora, was it? You got, yeah, and yeah. also the the vampire film, the um, oh, let the right one, yeah, in. which had, mm. had a very controlled color palette, and so you know we knew we wanted primary colors. We shot on the red camera, which is a high definition camera, and we used film lenses. Again, it just kind of everything was about creating, being very detailed about the, the texture we created. And this is all pre-filming. This is all pre. And then exactly. you get onto the set, and it all goes out the window. <laughs> 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 whatever whatever yeah. goes any any brilliant ideas yeah, you've had we'll during prep is <laughs> completely wiped away by hey you got to get it done you got seven shots to do <laughs> in two it, minutes exactly but but it is definitely about creating rules and so that when you're under pressure you go hang on hang on we don't do it like that we've got to do it like this you know and particularly you know because there were the two of us that was quite important mm. so there was continuity and also i think it was a very specific language we had to emulate so it was trying to using the language of documentary for example we decided that in the backstories and the flashbacks we could only have one camera which meant that you couldn't do reverse shots you couldn't be logistically anywhere that the camera technically couldn't have got to within that space of time so even though we were using jump cuts in when we came to the edit we had to be quite strict about how we shot that when it came to the island we decided that big brother style the production the fake fictional production company would have had cameras installed everywhere we were then allowed to do reverses we, were, we could do go from long shots through to you know close-ups to wide shots we, we we could cut around basically but we could also play with that contrast because on the island we could have big epic shots you know and then everything was much smaller in these backstories which again you know you play with to kind of create this texture with the the show um then really on set it's about you know to help the actors get the the performance you kind of need Peter Mitchell who plays Dan and um, Victoria Wright who plays April neither of them had kind of acted before it was really clear in casting I think this is why casting is so important it was really clear in castings that both had the potential to to kind of do the job Peter is just very very charismatic and charming and you immediately warm to him and Victoria is naturally funny and and in this we did this improvisation where um we had got a collection of actors together and um, this is the first time Victoria had ever done anything like this and um, she had to share a secret with one of the actors and she revealed that her secret was that she'd had plastic surgery to look funny looking and the actor she was working with just didn't didn't know what to say <laughs> and it was yeah, it was just it was really bold and funny and that for me is is one of the things that was so superb about this project because all the actors were were really generous in that relationship and uh, yeah I learned a lot it was great so how do you feel are you proud are you pleased are you uh, what how, how do you feel about your your work 
I found seeing them on television makes a really big difference. Yeah, I agree. Strangely, I think this this series works on a small screen. It's, yeah. it's devised for a small screen, and it's obviously playing off the language of uh, reality TV in particular. And so it, it actually works well. Suits on the medium. A, yeah, a lot yeah. of people think that if they put something up on a big screen, it will make it better. more powerful, mm. and it's not necessarily the case, I don't think. Yeah. So when I spoke at the beginning about your backgrounds and everything, you know, are you seeing themes and strands and ideas and motifs that are following you through each of your work? Can you see reflections? Similarly, I think it's probably easier for me to say that about Amanda. (laughs) Well, okay, do it for each other. (laughs) I definitely can see themes emerging in your work. There's always a theme of, well, obviously science and mathematics and numeracy comes through. (laughs) There's there's a a sense of alienation, uh, maybe some sort of struggle for communication, I would say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always very beautiful looking. What I think is really interesting about your work is is actually how it comes down to individuals. And sometimes and it, those individuals seem to be needing to communicate in some way. And I think that's something that you threaded through, that does thread through, whether you are aware of it or not, into cast-offs, is, is how people relate and communicate and the tensions about communication, I think, are really apparent in, in your work. Is that fair? Uh, uh, yeah, I also like the comedy. In the <laughs> I really like the comedy in Cast Off. I love that. Um, I think I learnt loads from Miranda, and I think what she's so superb about creating atmosphere and just the texture of film. And there's lots of different character details. I don't think I'm going to be as spot on as you, but there's character details, particularly in the Gabby episode, actually in the Will episode, I think... There are definitely themes that she's exploring, and uh, that's wonderful to see, kind of, uh, particularly... Totally unconsciously, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's definitely... Um, but, yeah, no, I, it was a real pleasure working with her because I think her attention to detail, particularly kind of in the visual language, is, um, is it's just it's really interesting to see. So I guess, really, I just want to talk about advice for people maybe wanting to follow in the same footsteps as you both and what advice you would have given yourselves had you had the chance and uh what would you say it took me a long time before i started making films i was sort of i made very small ones but i i worked as development executive for a long time and i think that in many ways i wish i'd made that jump earlier to kind of start going no i'm going to direct and um so i think my advice is just start making films you know and um there are all sorts of sort of body like skill set and all sorts of different schemes you can get on and those are brilliant and they can give you lots of advice but I also think you just learn so much by making it so yes I'd, I'd say it. make it yes I would just make films yeah. for nothing now yeah. I mean everyone's got video gadgets actually or applications actually on their telephone and there's no reason not to do that in that way totally and, it, and a lot of it is about finding your voice and finding the things that you're interested in and I think if you just start looking at the world through your films and, and you, not you being frightened of making really crap films yeah. to begin with as well definitely I think everybody does yeah it's being not being fearful to fail if yeah. you should you know you just need to it's an instinctive thing isn't it it's about embracing your instincts and actually, well actually being able to get to a point where you can hear your own instincts I think that's half of it is that one's instinct is quite clouded creatively until you cut through the the rubbish and find out you know you it becomes I think clearer doesn't it as you go along as to what it is which voice which one of your multifarious jabbering voices you should actually listen to 
And hope it's the best one. Hope it's the best one. It's not always always the best one. (laughs) Little gremlins come out and shout at you. You think, oh dear, I should have done that. I think I would just say, find out who your regional funding body is, see what they fund, and start making applications. I think it's like any entrepreneurial thing. You just have to, like the filmmaking, you have to start putting in applications and then try and get feedback if you're not successful. Look at the films that are funded. I'm not saying that you should try and emulate those, but just see why they might have been picked. Helps (laughs) helps to have a relative that's very high up in the film industry too. (laughs) Which sadly, you know, or has lots of money. Or has lots of money, alternatively, to either is good. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, or just write lots of letters. I mean, I I just think that. It's um, persistence. Yeah, Yeah, it's persistence. Yeah, Yeah. ultimately. Yeah, Yeah, thanks so much for coming in. And I really wish you all the success with your next project. And will you come back in and talk to us about it? I'd love to. Great. Thank you. Thank thank you for having us. You're absolutely welcome. Thanks. Catriona Long has joined us now for Just the Job, but it's not just the job, is it, Catriona? It's not just the job. This is uh, a course whereby you can uh, obtain a professional qualification. So it's for people that want to train in what particular profession? It's in uh, the management industry for finance. You're able to uh, go into companies and see firsthand uh, what the job would be like and gain the experience for this particular market. Okay, so it's a course, but the selling point of it really is the fact that you get placed in companies. Yeah, you you get the first-hand experience, uh, what it's like to work in and for these companies. And what's the qualification that you get at the end of it? Um, It is the uh, SEMA professional qualification in finance and management. And can you just explain what SEMA stands for? Because I don't know if listeners will maybe understand that. SEMA stands for the Chartered Institutes of Management Accountants. And is it open to everyone? Uh, it is, yes. It, it's fairly accessible because it, you don't have to just go to one company. It's uh, across the UK. Uh, they'll place you wherever is convenient. Is it for people that are moving into accountancy or is it for people that are already in accountancy? It can be for people that are already in the industry and want to develop their career. Or if you're looking for a career change, it's an opportunity to get the experience firsthand and then to move up within that industry. Right, okay. And is the course open now or what's the situation in terms of applications? It's open now. I believe the next start date is in January, but it does run all year round and you can apply all year round for this course. Excellent. And how can people find out more, Catriona? Uh, you can go to guardianjobs.co.uk. Okay, and just give us the title of the course again. It's uh, the SEMA Professional Qualification. Excellent. Thanks very much. Thank you. Just time to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and to thank our studio guests, Amanda Boyle and Miranda Bowen, Catriona Long from Guardian Jobs and, of course, Kerry and Eustace. Thank you. We'll be back in the new year with plenty from the forums and we already have some fantastic guests lined up. Till then, keep safe, enjoy the holidays and make sure to tune in again in the new year. Remember, you can find out more on everything we've talked about on careers.guardian.co.uk. Careers Talk was produced by Kate Taylor. I'm LJ Filatrani, and for the very last time in 2009, thanks for listening.